0: Not only do we have workforce housing issues, but we have people you know, for you and I who want to retire here. There's very few places for us to move to because they've all been grabbed up for short-term rentals.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to Meet the Candidate with Sedona Red Rock News. I'm your host, Carol Kahn. And today we are meeting with Vice Mayor Scott Jablo. Welcome. Thank you, Carol. It's so good to have you here.
0: Great to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. So um, how's everything going so far?
0: It's very interesting. Uh, this is a very uh, exciting campaign, but there's a lot of things going on in our city that takes a lot of time as well. So it's tr- it's a balance because I try to be out and represent the people and the public and the residents as best as I can. So it's very time consuming.
1: And how is this different for you in comparison to other elections that you've been involved in?
0: Uh it really hasn't been. There's always been candidates challenging. Sometimes I've there have been times I haven't been challenged. But having a challenger is very good for the uh, for the soul. It's very good for the city to see varying different people. Uh, so uh, I really wouldn't say it's that much different, except now as the vice mayor, uh, the position in, and as a, since I've been in office for eight years, I've known a lot of people and a lot of people want to engage with me. And there's a lot more problems in the past couple of years than I've had in the past. Problems for the city, such as short-term rentals and things like that, uh, that I wanna be engaged with. I don't wanna you know, give 50% to anything. I, I try to give 110% to everything. So um, that's where the challenge comes in, trying to balance. And then you have to sleep sometime, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so Scott, how long have you actually lived in Sedona? Uh,
0: just over 12 years.
1: 12 years? Yep. And how did you actually decide to move here?
0: Well, like many other people here, we vacationed here uh, many years uh, prior to deciding that I was going to retire back in New York. And I came with my family. Sometimes my family came without me. And Sedona was just the magnet. And it was a different place back then. I mean, no matter where you go, uh, prior years, always a different place. But this was a place that really drew us here. Uh, I was in law enforcement uh, on the East Coast back in New York. And most of the people I worked with went to the, the Carolinas, went to uh, Virginia, went to Florida. The humidity was killing to me. I've got you know, some body injuries that I've had over the years, so uh, the, the humidity isn't the best for me. Coming to Sedona, whenever I came and visited here, not only was the, the environment calming, but my body was calm as well. So uh, even in, in the wintertime, how often do we have snow here? Not that much. So overall, my health improved, uh, and uh, I got to enjoy my life even better. So
1: It's a dry heat. That's what they keep on. It, is, <laughs> a a, it is a dry heat. So, it's so hot. Yes. I mean, don't make any mistake about that. It's right. <laughs> just a dry heat. Well,
0: I remember when I first retired back uh, in July of 2010, within the first month, I had to go back to Florida for a wedding. And I dreaded that. I said, I'm going to leave this, but it was, you know, I was actually into the beginning of August, right about where we were uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was so dry, but I, I could deal with it. I went back to Florida, and as soon as I opened, they opened the jetway door, I was dying. Yeah. My, you just continuously perspire, so uh, I did what I had to do. Went to the wedding, enjoyed myself immensely, and came back here. Couldn't be back quick enough.
1: Yeah, Florida is one of those places that I'm. I couldn't be I couldn't live there. The humidity is enough. I mean I grew up in New York. I don't know if yeah, I, I share that. Yeah, you know, yeah. before Jayla with Jenny from the Bronx, it was right. Carol from the Bronx. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm a little bit older, but I was there before her. Right. Right. <laughs> and the Yankees or whatever. So that's like My but,
0: favorite team, sure. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> so talk to me a minute about New York, um, because that's where you were born and raised. Right. And um, you worked for the police force there. Right. So talk to me a little bit about that.
0: Well, it's interesting. I was ra- born and raised on Long Island in New-, New High Park, New York. And when I met my wife, we moved three towns away, right? So we would be in between our parents because family is very important to us. So we didn't really move that far. But, you know, we were born and raised there. And that's where we stayed. And, you, it, you know, you sort of absorb where you are. You got, uh, and I got involved in, in uh, the community representation back then. In West Hampshire, as a, once I became a police officer, I wanted to uh, get involved in my community the same way I do here. So I, I did, and I was very successful in uh, making some good, positive changes for 20 years, as a matter of fact. But I was born and raised there. I chose to come to Sedona. I chose to be here because all that it offers to people and the lack of humidity... You know, but uh, so it, I came here for a different purpose. And within two years or a year and a half, people befriended me and said, you know, with your experience, your your, your mannerisms and the way you, you talk to people, you'd be very good getting involved in the community. And and I did. And it's been a whirlwind of experience and uh, relationship building. And, and I love it. I love it. So.
1: so in the police force in New York, what, like, where did you work? What did you do in the police force? Were you a detective? Like, what did what part of the police force were you involved in?
0: Well, I worked at Kennedy Airport for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. And they're responsible for any interstate commerce between New York and New Jersey. So I was a police officer, but I w- was uh, trained to be several different specialties. I was trained to be an aircraft rescue firefighter. So I was... I. Ultimately, I became the leader of a a group of uh, uh, other police officers, firefighters and police officers, very unique experience, but we were one. And I led a group of uh, a squad of officers that put out aircraft fires and rescued people from planes. It doesn't happen very often, but you have to train every day and you have to work together and and know it's not about one person, it's about everybody as, as a group. So then. Uh, Took Toward my ending years, I and mean, I was there for 31 years, so about, about 20, 21 years, and I was trained as a fatal accident investigator. So they sent me to school to learn about uh, how accidents happen and all types of, not just vehicle accidents, industrial accidents, aircraft accidents on the ground. I was a lead investigator for all of that. But also as a uniform officer, what was really unique is Kennedy Airport is the gateway for the world. United Nations is in uh, New York City. And twice a year, the U.N. General Assembly would come together, and they would all come through our airport. So I got to learn to work with and appreciate all people, of different nationalities, different beliefs. And it was amazing. I, it really built my personality to who I am today to understand that everybody has different opinions you don't have to agree but you have to talk and work together mm-hmm. so that really helped uh shape me for who i am i think now so many years later but it was a very exciting time until uh, september 11th 2001 and that's a very trying time for me i i was as an uh, i wasn't involved when the world trade center came down except to respond afterwards uh, because of my seniority and my experience and what I was doing I remained back at the airport uh, to make sure the Kennedy airport stayed safe for the travelers that came in and even though the, the uh, airline industry shut down for several days afterwards we had to protect the airport so younger people uh, younger officers went and they dug with their hands and shovels uh, to, to find remains of uh, people you know for, for days weeks months and um, it was a trying time, uh, it's still to this day, 21 years later, it still you know, uh, bothers me. I lost 37 friends, coworkers, people I knew. We lost one of every rank and then uh, uh, police officers that really weren't working there that day, they responded. They went in, they did their job. And it it still bothers me. I know, that we, of course, we have a new World Trade Center there. Now I can't go back. Mm-hmm. Friends of mine have gone back, but I just can't. So. Uh, but I moved on, you know, t- I stayed 10 more years and I retired to here. I, I, re- I retired uh, July 10th, 2010, July 11th. I was in my car driving to Sedona. So,
1: Well, you know, I mean, I hear you talk about 9-11 and I respect all of that. And I know that there is um, there are several firefighters here in mm-hmm. um, Sedona that live here that still can't, that were actually there and responded right. mm-hmm. during that particular time and can't talk about it either right. or want to talk about it. So I know how devastating that is, but you also were a huge proponent in bringing a piece of 9/11 here right. to Sedona. Right. So tell me about that.
0: It was quite unique uh, experience for me as well. That's something I've never done before. But uh, prior to being on the city council, I was on the Sedona Fire District Governing Board, and uh, I was still in communication with my fellow, uh, my former coworkers, people in the executive team at the at the uh, at the Port Authority, and, I, you know, you build relationships. That's what I'm about. That's what most of the people that I work with were about. And somebody said to me, hey, Scott, we hear that there's five pieces left of the World Trade Center. Now, you have to understand what that means to me. Before I retired, and, and I mean, after, it was probably within six months after the building came down that they started to remove the girders from the site. They filled hangars, old, dilapidated hangars at Kennedy Airport, floor-to-ceiling, wall-to-wall with girders, with police cars, fire engines, uh, all sorts of things that would be saved so they, they could be uh, categorized for whatever they were going to do with them. They, at the time, they didn't know. So I remember one time I uh, was asked to fill in for somebody who was in charge of watching this big hangar. I mean, the hangar was immense, and I'm walking around trying to squeeze in where I could just to feel. You could just feel things. You feel in your body just something different was going on in that, in that hangar. And then um, when I retired, I mean, they, they were giving pieces up. I should go back to that. They were, they were cutting sections up and, and donating to community people who were on Long Island, cities and towns and communities on Long Island, New Jersey, Connecticut, because that's where their residents had, you know, lived who died. And and that wasn't just police officers, it was investment bankers, it was people, just real people who went to work every day. And they were really good, the poor side was really good in donating a piece of steel. So when a friend of mine said to me, there's a couple pieces left, would you like one for Sedona? I said, I, I would love it. I have no idea how to, how to do that, and I wrote a letter from the governing board of the the fire district, and it took about a year. And I was just transitioning from the fire district. I just won my election and uh, onto city council here, and I got a phone call saying, "Scott, do you want to come back and pick up a girder?" I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what? How do you do that? You know, uh, but and they were joking. You know, come come just drive back and pick up a three thousand piece piece of steel. You know. But it was exciting, and I worked with the fire chief, Chris Kaysen, at the time. And we were able to uh, find a way to have a freight forwarding company pick it up and transport it. We paid for it. It was about uh, $1,500. But because of what it was, we found someone who was willing to do it for that price, which was, you know, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. It's, you know, it's 3,000 3, pounds, and it's um, uh, about five and a half feet tall. And it's at Fire Station 6 for people to see. But we got it here. And then now we, we raise money. And I was part of a group of uh, people on a committee that we raised close to $90,000 to fund it without any taxpayer money. A lot of contributions from businesses and individuals. And we built it within a year's time. And it was, it was really exciting to do. So, And I check on it probably once a month. You know, there's nothing to see. There's, no, never. No one's ever damaged it, but I, 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 have to check on it. You know, just to make sure it's good.
1: So that's you know, politics aside, that's a very human human experience for you, right? And right. one that still touches you. And I could see it, yeah, um, just in your eyes um, and how you feel about it, and it's very emotional. Right. So you know, something like that, and it's it's. Uh, a monument, if you will, here in mm-hmm. Sedona that means so much to you. Right. So outside of the political aspects of what mm-hmm. I'm asking you right now, as a human and driving by that, like you said, to check up on it, how like t- does that make you feel? Especially like contributing something to Sedona, or is it uh, kind of like a memento for like your experiences? And what does that bring it that back? So talk to me just a minute about what that represents for you personally.
0: Well, it, it means several things to me. It means a sense of commitment to this city. I am not, I'm just not someone who planted roots here and maybe I'll leave in five years like a lot of people do. I, to me, having that here, not only is it something from my life, from where I worked for 31 years, okay, that is gonna be in Sedona forever, but other people as well. You mentioned a firefighter who lives here. I know a few, and uh, I won't mention the firefighter's name, but I met him through, actually, I met several firefighters, but one in particular, he was the only survivor from his firehouse. He lost all of his co-workers, and I understand that he's a completely changed man, not the most friendly, but he has a legitimate hurt in his body. And I mean, I don't want to go into, you know, mm-hmm. his personal sure. life, but the man gave everything as firefighters do. That's their job. Police and firefighters they, they they run into danger. He did that. He lost all his friends. So he comes occasionally, sometimes he doesn't. But every year when we have our observance for the 911, I see more and more people who have a linkage to the World Trade Center. You know, as you move from Long Island, Connecticut, you know, New Jersey, people don't know as much about it. Living there, growing up, there is not one person you would know in the supermarket, in your neighborhood, anywhere, didn't lose a friend, didn't lose a coworker, a relative, or know somebody. As you come out west, it's 27,000, 2700 miles away. Um, it, it, it lessens that. The fact that in Sedona, we have people, we have people that worked across the street from the World Trade Center. I have people that uh, this uh, last 9-11, a woman came up to me and she says, I lived in New Jersey and I saw it come down. That connection, I'm happy that that's something that people will remember. It really won't be forgotten. It you know, it's my hope that, you know, we always say, you know, never forgotten. But things do happen, you know, decades from now, children in in a high school that weren't even born then. Do they know? You know, hopefully it's taught in our schools. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, uh, it's, it makes me feel good to know that I brought something real personal here and it was accepted and it's loved and it's respected. So.
1: Well, I think it also makes a statement and it makes a statement to who you are. Right. And um, also it's, That you brought it here. So it's part of history. So now it's part of history of Sedona. Not so much even just the political aspects of you being part of Sedona for as many years as you have, but that actually is part of who you are as well. So let's talk a minute, too, about the political aspect, because you mentioned connections. Mm -hmm. And I feel like connections are important to you. Mm Um, so not necessarily just with connections of, like, the 9-11 situation, but also with people in the community um, mm-hmm. is huge for you. Right. Um, so being that, um, how long have you been in the political office here in Sedona?
0: Well, I've been on city council. I wasn't able to backtrack. So I'm just finishing up eight years. Uh, prior to that, I was, like I said, I was on the governing board of the Sedona Fire District. Um, that, those were the true well and I add to that, at the same time I was on the fire district governing board, I was a planning and zoning commissioner. So but I would say for ten years, give or take, a couple of weeks. Uh and I've I've loved it. That's not what I've intended on doing at all. Uh, I mean, uh but I love this place. I again, I chose to be here. I thought Sedona was going to be a little different of what I used to know it as and what we all knew it as. And to bring the politics into it, state government changed Sedona in so many ways. It had nothing to do with city politics. It had nothing to do with our residents. It has to do with state government, you know, changing things here. And it made it worse, I think, for our residents. And that bothers me. And I talk to people all the time and, you know, locals here, and, you know, they don't understand why Sedona has changed so much. But yet, that's not what we do as a community. I don't think it's what we've done. I mean, it's always been a tourist town. We need to manage tourism, and I think we've done a good job at that. But when the state legislature, which is and a bipartisan decision, forced short-term rentals on our all, 91 cities and towns. That was horrible. That caused problems. And every walk of life in our city, people are suffering because of it. And yet, when it first was being discussed, I went down and I talked to friends of mine. So, as a matter of fact, there's a, a senator down in, in Fountain Hills who, uh, he's now a representative, he was a senator. He was my training sergeant as a police officer back in New York. He retired here before 9-11, and he became a state senator. He was one of the first, uh, excuse me, first people that said to the legislature and the governor, we have not vetted short-term rentals. We don't know how this is going to play out. I think it's going to hurt our communities. They ignored him, totally ignored him. The fact that we, as a city, uh, we have problems with short-term rentals, It's interesting to know that there are some cities down in the valley that love them. They don't have hotels. So it gives them the opportunity to have places for their relatives to stay. At least that was a mindset a few years ago when I used to engage with them. And now we, we go to a convention every year. And I just came back a few weeks ago. And I spoke to these same people. I said, how's that working out for you? And they said, it's horrible. They didn't realize. And there's no hope. There's no help. Uh, they feel that the state legislature, as I feel, really is not thinking about the best interests of the residents. Every city is different. While they forced short-term rentals on us, as if that wasn't bad enough, they removed local control. And that, what, what that means is we can't be like every other city in the country. Arizona is one of the only states, if not the only state, I believe Texas might be one that doesn't allow their cities and towns to control short-term rentals. And what that means is having a cap from the beginning, have uh, ordinances in place to protect the residents, noise, all these things. Arizona has none of that. They removed that from us and then said, here's an issue. You have no uh, opportunity to change it and make it better for your city. I mean, we're close to, if not exceeding, 16% of our total inventory of housing, of short-term rentals, of all types. Most cities are at 5%. It's more manageable. We have no cap in place. If we had a cap, and we're allowed to have a cap from the very beginning, we would have a better Sedona. Now, I don't have a problem with the the concept of short-term rentals, because it gives, The opportunity to a, a, especially a single man or a single woman, you know, uh, older, lost their mate, they have a room, they want to rent it out to make extra money to be able to afford the house. And that was the original concept Mm -hmm. of short term rentals, which was fine. And yet, uh, now we have people selling their homes. They, you know, they don't like it here, so they're selling them. It's being bought up by speculators, corporations, uh, and turning them into whole house short term rentals. That's a problem. Many people didn't realize in the beginning, we, as, a, as a, uh, the city council, we realized that Sedona is very limited in workforce housing. I live in the Lower Chapel neighborhood, doesn't have HOAs. Every house is unique, every house. I mean, I knew my neighbors, I mean, that's what I do. I know my neighbors, right? And yet there was, I, I would think 20 houses in my neighborhood, that was workforce housing simulate together their neighbors They're, they i mean some of them lived there for five to seven years and the house got sold from underneath them they didn't own it of course it was they were renting and they were forced to leave and back then they were able to find other houses and other houses and, and you know jump from house to house but all these houses were sold to speculators uh, in my neighborhood we don't have as many problems but i see it Uh, I, because of my engagement with the community, I hear about it, I I look at social media, and I could tell you, not a week goes by that someone is not posting on social media, help. The owners have sold the house out from underneath me. We wouldn't have that problem if we had a cap. And this is a state legislature keeping us from having a cap.
1: Um, I'm going to, like, I want to, that's a huge issue, and I feel like that's really important, especially to, no, no, it's okay. Um, And it's important. It's important to the people. Right. Right. Um, You know, I will tell you of an experience that I had um, just recently with an over tourism series, film series. Right. right? And it's very interesting to hear the audience reaction Mm -hmm. to things depending on what it is. And it goes back to the same things like the last one that they had. The first question that came out was, definitely the topic that you're talking about. Right. It's just that just went right out of the gate to that. Like, what are we going to do about that? Um, You know, and and then it went to traffic and then it went to uh, it's the same it's the same cycle. Right. Mm -hmm. And you and I have had many conversations when I remember um, I want to say it was right during covid. When people were coming and trashing Sedona, right. and they broke into the chapel when it was closed, I was like infuriated when that happened. I don't even live in—I live in the in the village, right? right? But but to me, it was like I almost demanded that something happened. Right. And in meeting with you, you explained 179 and how that's a DOT rate, right? and right. then also the Forest Service, and you know, to have conversations with them. So. The interesting thing that I'm finding, right, and even being involved in conversations with people, is that it is kind of the same story. Sometimes I feel like people really aren't listening mm-hmm. because, like you said, it's really a state thing and right. you're working on ways to right. to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to happen overnight, no. just not. Traffic is never going to subside, um, so we just have to learn how to adjust to it um, unless you close like every single border and then nobody can come in here. Um, And it's just, it's just part, it's just part of what Mm -hmm. it is. But in my, my thinking, right. And listening to this and also in that audience that I'm talking to you about, I actually stopped at the audience for a second. And I said, I hear all of you and what everybody is saying, which keeps going around in a circle Mm -hmm. and nothing ever gets solved in that moment But to think about solutions Mm -hmm. to other things or to think out of the box of things that are actually needed, um, you know, yes, those are the pillars that we're focusing on and they're the silos that aren't going to go away right now. So those are things that we're dealing with, but it's also there's other things outside of that that are really important that we need to like focus on. And one of the things that I addressed the audience saying, You know, why don't you think about solutions? Why don't you think about stepping outside the box and coming up with ideas that can actually help? Instead of complaining, you know, why don't we all as a community try to come up with these ideas Mm -hmm. or something? And there's research involved. There's looking at other cities across the country and things that they're doing. There's other, um, you know, other things like Chamber of Commerce is doing um, certain things that... Mm -hmm our Chamber of Commerce doesn't necessarily do, but they're, they're different across the country in what people are doing. And then there's also city and governments that are doing things that are mm-hmm. that are different. And looking at examples of what other people are doing to say, oh, maybe we should do what Telluride is doing, for example, or maybe we can look at well, what Aspen are, yeah. is doing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's instead of reinventing the wheel, it's basically looking at what other places are doing and emulating that to say... We, we should do what they're, look what they're doing, and maybe we can enhance it right. better, right? And coming up with that solution. So like, one of the things that I, I look at is our economic development. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I look at Sedona, and I think, wow, tourism is number one here in this area. Mm-hmm. If tourism were to go away tomorrow, what are we left with, right? right. The, the city is going to starve if it just dies. And so you look at Cottonwood and they've developed the wineries in a Mm -hmm. wine region. You look at even Camp Verde for that matter. So just really the little cities that are surrounding us and what's happening. Um, And so every little place is actually coming up with something. And to me, I look at Sedona and say, we need to have backup. You know, we need to have other companies coming in here, other Mm -hmm. industries coming Mm -hmm. in here. So we're not left out. So, you know, I, I know from a political level, you can answer to me that. And I also want the personal side. I want the personal Scott of like, what do you see or how do you see this area developing into something like that?
0: Well, it's like a spider web. Everything has to work together. We are looking at bringing other industry here, but we don't have a lot of land okay so we can' we don't want factories I don't want pollution I'm very you know I'm concerned about sustainable is an interesting word has a lot of different meanings and I'm not <laughs> going to go into sustainability but I don't want to have factories I don't believe and we don't have factories in the, in the whole region which is great and that's why we have clean water and everything else but we don't have good internet that's a problem We were actually promised a better uh, Wi-Fi and uh, internet by uh, Yavapai County recently and that's sort of been pulled back uh, what company wants to have any kind of a business here when they don't have good internet? It's not dependable. Now, it's a little bit better, but we need fiber optic is what we need. And they're talking about doing the entire region. And uh, that's a whole long story from my County, what they want to do. But there was a proposal, and it's really not been discussed lately. We also don't have the best of schools here. Not that we don't have the best of teachers. I think the teachers I've met are fabulous. There's not a lot of income for them. They're not paid a lot, not due to our school district. It's the state controls their salaries, okay? And you can't, you know, that's where they get their raises from. Again, the state has, you know, local control. Um, How are we going to have families here? Okay? We don't have good... What I want to say is proper medical care, which is a huge issue for me, something that came about in a council meeting about a month ago. Uh, Who wants to bring their family here when there's not a pediatrician? I think one pediatrician in the entire Verde Valley, but which came first, the chicken or the egg? You need children here for a pediatrician to say, I can make a business here. I can have a life here, livelihood. But then... Uh, people, children don't want to come here with their parents because there's no pediatrician, so they have to go to Flagstaff or they go down to uh, Phoenix. You know, child gets an ear infection, you can go to the the emergency room. Oh, well, that's another problem. The emergency room is a whole other topic that we have to worry about. That's always up for grabs because it, no, there's never been a commitment from the emergency room. There's so many things, but uh, uh, let's go back to living here. So, how are you going to bring businesses here? That you know, multi-employee businesses, okay, that would work that way. There's so many challenges, but without having proper housing, you know, it's it's fine. And you know, we we hired a couple, number of years ago an economic development uh, person that is really striving. She's working. You know, this is not. By the way, it's not just Sedona. It's the region. It's Hotwood, Camp Verde, Clockdale. They're all having the same problem. So there's an a, uh, an organization that handles economic for the region and our uh, uh economic person is solely engaged to do that to bring businesses here to help upstart businesses people want to work from home that's great if they can work with the Suddenlink or uh CenturyLink services that's fabulous i want to see fiber optic like we were promised and uh hopefully that will happen and then we can have other options of businesses but um you know, it's, it's interesting for Sedona because we are landlocked by the forest. It's it's hard to have other businesses. We're not going to have car dealerships. We're not going to have, you know, anything that's a big ticket item. Remember, we run our city on sales tax. The city itself doesn't run on the property tax. And I think that, that, that's a fabulous thing. So when people say, oh, that you know, uh, tourism is going to be the death of us. Well, that's what runs the city. We've always been a tourist town, as far back as most people that I talk to. Is it ideal? No. We should have alternatives to fall back on, like you mentioned. But it is the driver. The problem is now, we're not guiding that message to uh, people coming here. We're not forming that message. So because we listen to the community and we stop destination marketing, stop bringing people here. I don't necessarily agree with that, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Because people said, well, if you stop doing destination marketing, traffic will stop. We won't have traffic here anymore. Yet we have two state highways that come together at the Y, and we can't control that. But I paid very much attention to this last Labor Day. Now, we haven't advertised to bring people here in close to three years, if not more than three years, okay, But there was traffic at the Y. There was traffic going to Uptown, because people will come from Phoenix, which, by the way, is the fastest-growing city in the country. People get tired of living in Phoenix; they want to recreate. They're going to go to the Grand Canyon. Well, let's go through Sedona and, you know, Oak Creek Canyon, on the way to the Grand to the Grand Canyon. You can't stop that. So, while Traffic is still here. We have to, as a city, do what we can to cut down on the traffic pinch points. And we have been doing that. It's a 10-year plan. We're doing that. And I don't want to get into that whole plan unless you really want to, but we're, we're doing that. <laughs> right? I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot going into this. But the thing is, other people are controlling our message. We have a horrible issue with off-highway vehicles, OHVs. Arizona is one of the f- few states, there are a couple others, I think eight in all, that allow them to be driven on the state highways. So uh, people drive them. We have rental companies, I believe we're up to f- six different rental companies that rent them out. People drive them on the state highways. And then they drive them into a forest and dis- just destroy the, the forest. But my point being, going back to our messaging, the OHV companies are heavily invested in Sedona. This is my term of the OHV mecca for their business. They're advertising. They have billboards. Go to Sedona. Rent our OHVs. And what's interesting, they change their OHV, each vehicle, every um, 30 to 60 days so people have a better experience and they, they buy them. So they swap out the old ones that ones that have been flipped over and destroyed and whatever. So whoever rents it is getting a, a brand new great experience, not realizing what they're doing in our forest is destroying the forest. But those that industry is setting our message. We have Facebook pages that, you know, on one hand, there's a Facebook page that says, oh, we need to take protect our environment. On another Facebook page, Go here, go, go to Devil's Bridge. Well, you're, you're advertising for people to come here. You're not setting the proper message. I think we need to look at setting the proper message for Sedona. And whatever that looks like, it's my idea that I hope is move forward to have a group with the chamber, with citizens, with business owners, and hoteliers to come together, spend a year, six months, whatever it is, Because I really think the business owners aren't understanding for whatever reason. I mean, they they drive in traffic like I do, but they don't realize what I hear. Knocking on doors, talking to people for the campaign, calling people on the phone for regular, you know, uh, work at at City Hall. People just tired of tourists coming here, Mm -hmm. the traffic. But yet, when I explain to them, we have businesses here in Uptown, that's, who we are. We're, we defined who Sedona is by Uptown. And most of the stores are owned by people who retired, came here, they took their life savings and invested into a business. And now our residents are saying, well, we don't want anybody to go to those stores. We don't want to have any, we don't want to advertise for, for tourists here. And I, when I explain all the nuances that are involved, they say, I didn't realize that."
1: I think that's really what happens: is people don't understand and don't realize. And sometimes you could talk to them to their blue in the face, and they're basically going to have the same, <laughs> the same mentality and the same and kind of thing
0: because they're tired of sitting in traffic.
1: Right. And, but you know what? Listen. At the end of the day, really seriously, just like you told me a long time ago, you know, A. Dot owns like 179 right. and 89, right? So really there's, there's so much you can do. And then there's so much that you really can't do. And I think people just have to begin to understand that. But I also feel like that there's other things that we really need. And one of them is like, for example, I was telling you about this um, over tourism film series that, that I was privy to, Um, you know, you looking at something like that, coming up with, ideas that are out of the box. But most mm-hmm. of the people that were actually in the films, no matter where they were in the globe, the comment, well, there was two things. How do you manage tourism? And um, someone answered, you can't. And it was basically a person of prominence in the film. is like, mm-hmm. you really can't manage it. It's mm-hmm. unmanageable at this I don't point. agree with
0: that, but. Ooh. But
1: I mean, who's in control of it, right? right. Nobody's in control of it. It just, it's going to like occur. Like you right. can't control who's coming in and out of Sedona. Right. So, you know, the other thing is that came out of this is that people and residents in, for instance, Venice, for example, they were beginning to feel like they didn't matter, that the tourist was the one that really mattered. The whole entire economy of Venice catered to tourism. Even the markets that people went to started catering to what the tourists want versus what the locals want, right? So it was was a complete conversion as to what that is. I think here in this little town, very much, very similar to Venice, it's, you know, residents want to feel like they're residents and that they're important and that they're number one. And tourists are number two. And so that's really, I think, almost the the encompassing issue is that residents don't feel like that they're number one. And so to me, like, that's that's an issue is that How do we begin to make people feel that way? Is it a task that can actually be accomplished? Or is it really something that's, you know, like, I don't even know if we can get there.
0: I hope we can get there. I think that some people are just so angry because it's not the Sedona they moved here for. They're not realizing the the global picture of what we, short-term rentals, medical care, like I mentioned, uh, and over-tourism, not from us because we haven't been advertising. So, you know, not advertising has actually I believe hurt us as opposed to advertising where we would be bringing people here. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Okay. Of bringing, we bring people here, a high demographic, high income, and they're going to, hopefully it's my goal for when we, if we ever get back to advertising, we want people that's gonna shop in our art galleries, buy local art. That's a, a, a I don't, it's a group of people that, they're locals, they wanna be able to sell their wares, whatever, it's pottery, it's art, whatever it is. But um, we need to be able to uh, target different groups that are going to benefit for Sedona. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't like the fact that, you know, we advertise overseas. We used to advertise overseas, we haven't. And what was interesting, the chamber has an amazing employee that was great at bringing people here and bus tours. Now, the biggest reason that I think our residents don't like tourism is the traffic. Well, I would rather have one bus with 60 or 75 people on it, taking up the length of maybe four cars, they come to Sedona in one bus, they're not causing traffic. They go to Uptown, they park in a designated bus depot, they spend the day in Uptown. It helps our, all the uh, uh, merchants in Uptown, those people who retired here, and this is their livelihood, who don't aren't doing all that well, okay, but one bus, 10 buses, there's enough places for them to park in that bus depot. It invigorates Uptown, and what's interesting, those nice tourists that come from overseas and they're not coming in cars, I want to be clear, they're not coming in a car, <laughs> they spend their money on, in all of our merchants. So our merchants are being enriched, properly so. They leave their sales tax money for us to run the city, and then they leave. How nice. So, sometimes they'll stay at uh, the Matterhorn or the Royal Robley or some of the local hotels. That's even better. Those are kind of tourists that help us. They don't contribute to the traffic, and yet people don't want them. So, you know, we're always. You know, I know somebody had said, "Oh, we're, you know, traffic is our destiny." I don't think traffic is our destiny, but we're going to have traffic because mm-hmm. we can't control the traffic. But eliminating the pinch points is what I want to do, and I think we're doing that. We have our Sedona in Motion project. Which is being successful? It eliminated close to 30 minutes of southbound traffic coming out out of the canyon on the you know the heavy traffic traffic days by putting a second lane southbound. That's a positive. People don't remember that because it's three years ago since we did it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's successful. There are other issues. I'm not going to get into a long list. That's not what this is for. But there are <laughs> issues. Okay. But you know, it's step by step by step. But we. Uh, we have to manage it. But ultimately, we can't stop people. It's amazing. I think you've probably seen it. Uh, people say on social media, just put up fences. Lock, lock them out. <laughs> stop them. Uh, we want you know, passes only for residents. It's state highways. It's like the OHVs. Right. Until we change the law. And I'm working. I've been down at the state legislature. I'm going to testify at the end of October again. For the, state, the state legislature, again, like, they, like I did with short-term rentals, Trying to get them off of our roads, people have cars. They have license plates on their cars. It's state roads. We can't stop that. Right. Uh,
1: you know, I, I wanna take, cause you want to take
0: because you're pitching
1: politics here. Okay. Like, all right. okay. You're I'm sorry. pitching all the issues and all of that, which I think is great because that's really what you're you're doing, right? But I, I want to know, Scott. Scott, like I want to know, really, like take your politics outside and being mayor for a second outside, right? Okay. right? And if you're a resident here, like how like what are things that you like you feel that are in your heart of hearts and not necessarily pitching the political aspects Mm -hmm. of what happened, not happen, whatever. I want to know, like you personally, you're you're a resident here. You've Mm -hmm. lived here for 12 years. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, you know, love Sedona. Um, You know, it's special to you. Um, taking yourself as a resident and taking yourself out of the politics for a minute and talk to me one-on-one about you. I want to know about you.
0: Well, I'm realistic. I know that what we, the traffic we have here goes away. But when I get through the traffic, I can, the fact that, you know, there are certain parts of town that are still pristine to me. Schneble Hill Road to me is the epitome of where we should be. That road is amazing. It's quiet, it's tranquil. If I could live there instead of living in a chapel, in a chapel neighborhood, and I love where I live. I, <laughs> my views are fabulous. To be able to hike there, I mean, so I can rent a Jeep, which I, I've done. and I mean, you could, you could literally go out, most people can go out their front door and walk into the forest. Where do you do that? What other place can you do that? Do you hike?
1: Do you like hiking?
0: Well, I was, and I, you know, my knee's out again, so mm-hmm. I haven't done that for a while, and I've been kind of busy with the campaign. But my wife and I, up until recently, we had dogs. We would take the dogs into the forest and, and hike. I like doing that. Um, I like, you know, going off road, and I'll rent a uh, uh, a jeep from Barlow. Uh, cheap i don't want to give a pitch for them but they're, they're, it's fine but, it's, just I, 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 no, but as far as not i i, I don't believe in the Oi trees i wouldn't go with the Oi trees that's where i was going with that but you know the the places that you can go off road is just amazing the mm-hmm. devil staircase where you can go out and, and you know chicken point is just breathtaking yeah is breathtaking so um <laughs>
1: Well, and I, th- I think what you said is really interesting, too, because there are people here in Sedona. They are uh, business people like Barlow, for example, but they take care of the environment. Very much And so. I think oh, that's really yes. important. Yes. So, you know, she is such a proponent right. for making sure that the environment stays right. intact in the right. way that it is. And there's so,
0: other uh, other Jeep companies, I, I won't mention the name, but that spends close to million a million dollars in shared labor to they, and they have one place that they go, that they're allowed to go, that is expressly theirs, that, and I think you know who I'm talking about, but uh, they spend a lot of money and labor. And, you know, these are people who live here. They appreciate here. Uh, the You know, other people who come from outside, they don't appreciate what we have here. So, you know, when I go uh, hiking, when I was doing more hiking or, I'm picking up garbage all the time. Mm -hmm. That's not left, I guarantee, in my mind, in my heart, that's not left from someone who lives here. And, you know, we need to teach people respect, respect the land. And I think we were doing that with our sustainable tourism plan. I'll get away from politics, but, (laughs) you know. Well, I
1: think it's important to talk to you, like, about, you know, your your experiences, number one, which is a multitude of experiences since you've been on... Um, the council and also as vice mayor. So you have like a multitude of experience in that realm, but also to Scott, the residents, Scott, the person, you travel to different places. Mm-hmm. Is there any place in particular that you've been to that you look at as a possible model to say, oh, I would love to make sure that we do that in Sedona? Or is there Things that you look at. I know I do that. I know right. I look at like different places and think, "Oh my gosh, like we could do that here right. or whatever." So, from that standpoint, is there things that you've seen in other places that you wish to incorporate
0: here? Well, I haven't left the mountaintop, if you will, for except for a short stint since COVID. So, I haven't gone to other cities to look at. But there are other people, like such as yourself, who who share their experiences with me, and we have you know staff people that will look into that. The Chamber of Commerce also does that kind of research. Uh, our residents are not bashful when it comes to me to share those great experiences, and we look at them. A lot of those other cities, they don't have state highways going through their, their town. That's a problem. And there's really, there is no way of getting away from that, except we're doing our fair share to eliminate the pinch points across traffic. So, you know, we're, we can't stop the short-term rentals. People uh, write to me all the time. You know, I went to California and they have a cap on their short-term rentals and you should do this. I would love to. (laughs) Our state legislature stops us. People have said stop advertising and promoting the city. We've done that. Only because I'm listening to what the residents want. And there's some other issues that need to be changed with the chamber, and I think that that is going to be happening. Um, It's a better relationship, I think. But there's certain things you can do and certain things you can't. You just can't make things happen. You can't lock down the roads on a state highway, even if it's your, 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 your town road, your city road. You, you know, People have the right to drive on their road unless it's a private street.
1: So, um, how would you say that being involved in politics for as long as you have, like eleven, uh, 12 years, right. um, how has that, from Scott Lake many, many years ago, how has politics changed you in, in any way? Or was there a light bulb that has gone off that has maybe um, that you realize certain things in life, in your life? Well,
0: I think that actually that light bulb changed when I came here. Because I came with the knowledge that I built for here, but less stress. Coming here, Sedona is such a special place regardless of you way know, people think, they always come to the same idea that it's a special place. To me, it's calmness. As a police officer going through 9-11, I mean, it was a horrid, horrid time I can't even explain to people. And it lasted for many years. I didn't, for the first two years, I didn't have a day off at all. No vacations, no, no time at all, off at all. And I wound down from that. And just coming here, I get to give back to this community. Everything I do is a way for me to give back to the community. You mentioned before about, you know, people feel, residents feel that we don't care about them or they're second to the tourists. I look at the opposite. They may feel that way, and I don't second-guess that at all. But I I wasn't
1: saying residents here feel that. I said in other countries, residents said that they, through the tourism, over-tourism films that that was the number one thing people said was that they didn't feel um, like they were important that tourists well, we have this, We and, have it here too, yes, and I people hear do that. And people do we, feel that. And but. I
0: get that. So everything I do, I mean, I, I b- believe in the parks we have. We have the most breathtaking park anywhere, okay? And I uh, was uh, approached years ago about pickleball and people said, you know, that's a great experience to play pickleball, and I can't play anymore, but uh, when I did, it was exciting. And they said, you know, we don't have, we have a few pickleball courts. And I worked and I championed, and I, we, we're, we're now going to be building eight pickleball courts. Some people seem to pick on that. They think, oh, well, you're wasting money building pickleball courts. That's an amenity that uh, most, all those people are residents here, that they can come in the morning or in the evening when it's, you know, it's a little cooler. That's an amenity they love our dog park we have you know our dog park we have uh, we allow yappy hour which is one hour a week and it's a great amenity that our residents love it's a way to socialize the dogs and the people we're expanding our dog park and making a, a dog field and i want to it's my intention to bring another amenity for dogs is agility for dogs we don't have that here. I don't. I think Prescott has the only agility class once a week at their parks. If we could, uh, you know, it doesn't cost much money at all. But it's another amenity that people will appreciate. Everything I do, when I look at cutting back on the traffic, okay, to me, it's if whatever we can do, it's for our residents. Yeah, the tourists benefit from being able to flow better, but we all get to experience it. You know, if we had what some people wanted, flow through traffic. Get, you know, they, main, you know, they complained that they couldn't get into their restaurant during the COVID. They said, I can't get into my favorite restaurant. Okay, well now some of those restaurants are closing because there's nobody going there. There has to be a balance. People have to realize these are businesses. They, they, they thrive on tourism. They were built on tourism. They're important and they love their residents. That come in they're regular customers that come in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, we did lose one uh, uh, well-known restaurant in town, supposedly because of you know financial issues, but there were other issues involved as well. I don't want to lose anybody. So, but yet we're not advertising. I was approached recently by a local uh, a wine place in town, a restaurant and wine place. They're hurting. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we used to only hear just from the hoteliers. And they are hurting because we have short-term rentals. And that brought an additional 3,000 rooms, actual individual rooms, as competition to them. So they're gonna have that problem. But for restaurants, for small businesses, for gift shops in Uptown, they're not supposed to be hurting, you know? And, but I wanna do what I can just to help them through that.
1: What is it that you love about
0: your job? Helping people. I've always done that. I mean, when I was a cop back, I started as a police officer in 1980. The first time I saved a life was my first year uh, on the job and I did CPR and saved someone's life. What that feels like to you is, to me, to me, I'm sure you'd feel it, it's amazing. And helping people, you find lost children, you you know pull people out of a wreckage that survive. Whatever it is, I've always been someone help people. That's just been my life. I enjoy that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I came to Sedona to, to relax and take it easy. And <laughs> it doesn't
1: seem like you're relaxing no, much. <laughs> but it, but I
0: enjoy giving back to the community. When I can sit down with some constituents in town, residents in town, and have a cup of coffee with them and just share our experiences. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I spend a lot of time. I don't have to spend a lot of time, but I spend Many times, eight hours a day doing, working for the city, working for our residents. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's my, I've always given back. That's what I do. To me, it, it makes my blood surge that I help this one, I help that one, I help find somebody a place to live. You know, that's a real challenge. We all know that in Sedona, but I've helped people find a place to live, for, to rent. To me, that's great. If we could solve a problem, there's a lot of problems to solve. There's you know, parking issues here and there, solving those problems. It takes a lot of work. It doesn't come easy. You know, we need to find housing for our workers. Some, there's one person that says, well, we could find find housing 30 miles away. Well, what about people here?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's so much that I've, I'm so thankful for to be able to give back. That's just been my life.
1: And do you feel like, and this is one um, last question that I want to ask you, Um, do you feel like that no matter what happens, um, that you'll always be part of the community and doing something that you can help?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, know, I'm very confident that this will, you know, work out well in November, but, um, I'm not going anywhere. This is my home. Um, I'll just spend more time volunteering somewhere else. There's the Humane Society, the Meals on Wheels, there's so many other great organizations You know, I'm going to give back somewhere. It's a matter of to what level I can. Being able to testify before the state subcommittee on short-term rentals, I've done that twice. No, people don't get to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, doing what I'm doing for OHVs, that's giving back. I'll find another way of doing it. I don't, I won't, I'll never give up on this city. I love it too much.
1: (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I just want to thank you so much for your time and all the work that you've been doing and contributing to. So, and best of luck to to you during this important time. So thank you, thank you so much.
0: Thanks for, for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, and thank you everybody for listening. This is Carol Kahn coming to you. Uh, meet the candidates with uh, Sedona Red Rock News. Thank you so much for joining us.